0: Market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once it would be nice to get a First Minister's
1: answer. For Douglas Ross to stand there and talk about losing grip of a party when he's been leader, the Conservatives have had the longest attempted coup in Scottish political history.
2: The Steamy, a laudable production for The Scotsman.
1: Hello and welcome to The Steamy, The Scotsman's politics podcast. I'm Alistair Grant, the political editor of The Scotsman, and I'm joined today by Rachel Amory, The Scotsman's political correspondent, to pick over the latest goings-on in the busy, occasionally frantic world of Scottish politics. Unfortunately, Conor Matchett... Who would usually be doing this introduction and hosting the podcast is currently away on holiday in sunnier climes. We hope he's having a, a great time. I hope that sounds genuine. <laughs> uh, we're recording this from deep in the heart of the Scottish Parliament on Thursday, just a couple of hours after First Minister's questions in Holyrood, um, in which Hamza have faced questions on a range of issues, but perhaps most potently questions relating to Jenny Gilruth, his education secretary. Now, the Scottish Conservatives have accused Jenny for breaking the ministerial code when she was Transport Minister. Uh, the row centres and her decision to delay proposed rail electrification work which would have caused eight days of disruption across Fife and central Scotland from Boxing Day last year. Now, Miss Gilroof is an MSP for Mid-Fife and Roffis, so the allegation is that she gave preferential treatment to her constituents essentially. Now, it's worth seeing the news of this decision was originally reported in The Scotsman by our very own Alistair Dalton uh, a number of months ago, actually, but it's come up again and it's become a lot more political. Uh, Rachel, what did you think of that exchange between Douglas Ross, the Scottish Tory leader, and Hamza Yusuf?
2: Yeah, this was in the Chamber at First Minister's questions today. Douglas Ross, very keen to see an investigation into Miss Gilruth happening over her alleged breach of the ministerial code. And now as we are recording this, I don't believe there's been a formal complaint made against Miss Gilruth, but that may change um by by the time this podcast goes out to listeners. Um, but yeah, he Douglas Ross is very keen to see, will there be an investigation, very keen to sort of point the blame at her. But Hamza Yusuf um sort of wanted to keep things a bit more calm um and saying things like, well, you know, would expect transport ministers to act in in genuine faith of all of all um, the people in Scotland. And also very keen to point out the fact that this wasn't just affecting Miss Gillerith's constituency, which he said was Fife and Glenrothes, saying that it also affected commuters from places like Dundee and, and Perth and Aberdeen, all up the East Coast. So very keen to sort of push away from Miss as much as possible there.
1: Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that he's kind of saying that he will launch an investigation into this, he will look into it, but he's also saying that As far as he's concerned, from what he's seen, she's done nothing wrong. I think he said that it was a correct decision. So he's leaving himself open to people saying, you know, you're prejudging this, essentially.
2: Yes, he said that he had a quick look at what had been reported um, this morning before he came into First Minister's questions. And from what he can see at the moment, he seems quite happy with it. He seems to be quite fine with what's being reported at the moment and quite happy to defend Ms Gilruth in the chamber. Like he said, he will look into this further, but if there is a complaint made that she has broken the ministerial code, um, it's Humza of himself who will be doing the investigation there. Um, it's not an independent investigator or anything like that. And so there will be some questions there, I imagine, about impartiality, particularly when he's already said that um, he doesn't really feel that there has been wrongdoing done here.
1: Yeah, I was actually having a look at the ministerial code to write, write something for the <laughs> Scotland's <laughs> website, which of course you can go on uh, and look at later on, but... It actually says, you know, the first minister is the ultimate judge of the standards of behaviour expected of a minister. Uh, and essentially, he's going he's to be looking into this himself. But it also says that where he or she deems it appropriate, the first minister may refer matters to the independent advisers on the ministerial code. So he could get some outside advice on this. Do you see this going anywhere? Do you think this will actually, or do you think it's very much just kind of political opportunism on, on the part of the Tories?
2: Well, given how how um, difficult Hamza Yusuf's first few weeks as First Minister has been and um, other investigations have been going on outside of the Parliament, um, he'll be very keen to keep this one down as m- much as possible. But also when we saw the Chamber, I mean, Jenny Gilruth herself sitting in the row behind Mr Yusuf and very loudly sort of trying to defend herself, which she did get in trouble for, the presiding officer for doing but she you could tell she was feeling quite annoyed and quite angry about it and really wanted to try and say her own piece there and defend herself even though she wasn't in a position to do so given it was first minister's questions
1: yeah now transport is a notoriously difficult brief in government it's fair to say it's one of those roles that can really sink political careers it's hugely complicated things often go wrong there's lots of stuff outside your control Um, and in this area one of the other things the scottish government has been dealing with. Uh, this week is the latest chapter in the ferries fiasco. Now, these are, of course, the two Calmac ferries being built at Ferguson Marine Shipyard in Port Glasgow. Massively delayed, massively over budget. We're all very used to this story. It seems like it's been going on forever and it has actually been going on for a number of years now. Uh, and this week we have the news that it's now accepted by the Scottish Government that it would be cheaper to ditch the second ferry under construction, known as Hull 802, and just simply build a new ship elsewhere. So in narrow terms, pushing on is simply not value for money, and that seems an astonishing uh, development. What, what did you what did you make of that?
2: Well, we we were both um, in Hollywood when that um, announcement got made, and yeah, I think the general reaction was, "This has just gone so so badly wrong. How can it possibly get any worse?" And like you were saying, it feels like this has just been going on and on and on for ages now, um, and it's. it's it's got to this point where it's now there's no easy answer because going um, ahead as they are clearly isn't going to end well. It's going to cost a lot of money. But at the same time, the, the scrapping it all together and starting again, while it might be cheaper, is going to take longer. I think it was 2027 20, if yeah. that option was taken, which is not going to be new, good news for the islanders or people wanting to go and visit and work in the islands either. So they're now in this sort of sticky situation where neither option is good. It's either going to take so, so much longer or cost a horrendous amount of money. I just, um, it just, it shouldn't have got to this stage in the first place. I mean, we shouldn't be in this stage where those are the only two options we have in front of us.
1: Yeah, you almost feel sorry for Neil Gray, the new <laughs> minister who had to come <laughs> to Parliament and announce this development. Hugely embarrassing. Political opponents making hay of it, as you'd expect. Do you think this risks causing further damage to the SNP and the Scottish Government, though, on this particular issue? Or do you think in some regards, that ship has sailed. Just because we've had so many developments on this, um, and people are so used to this being a saga and being something the Scottish government has not handled well, do you think more? You know, do you think further developments da- cause more damage? I suppose.
2: Like you're saying at this point, it's like how does it get much worse? I think at this point, we're now just expecting. It sort of failings in this saga and we're just expecting it to be more money and for it to take more time. So uh, I know for, for people within Hollywood, for example, it's now just like, oh, another thing, as opposed to this is horrendous. It's just another thing after another thing for the very saga here.
1: Yeah, and I think it's worth touching on as well one of the other big stories of the week, something that's actually uh, just breaking really today um, as uh, on Thursday as we're recording this, um, which Hamza Yusuf, I know, commented on after First Minister's questions and that's the... The news that Andrew Miller, who's also known as Amy George, has admitted abducting a primary school girl while dressed as a woman and sexually assaulting her at his home in the borders. Now, this is obviously an extremely serious case, and the First Minister was asked about it as he exited the, the Scottish Parliament chamber. There's a number of journalists waiting to, to hear what he had to say on this, and I think you were there, Rachel. What did he say?
2: Yeah, it, we are quite limited in what we're able to say here because it is still a live court case, but... Hamza Yusuf was asked, "Should this person be housed in a female prison?" To which he said, "No, in a male prison, which is where he currently is." Um, I think this goes back to there'd been quite a lot of number high-profile cases of trans prisoners, a, a very, um, a very vocal debate on where they should be housed. I think the, the most um, sort of famous one that people might be aware of is the one of Isla Bryson, um, who identified as a trans woman but raped two women while living as a man and I tried to be housed in a female prison and that ended up causing a huge debate across Scotland and after intervention by the former Justice Secretary Keith Brown that's when we then saw that being overturned and, and um, Isla Bryson having to go to uh, a, a male prison It seems that this time there's not so much of a debate here. Hamzi has been quite clear that um, it's it's his belief that um, that Andrew Miller should go to a male prison in in this case. Um, One thing I thought was quite interesting as well, and some of the reporting of it, um, the pronouns that have been used quite widely here are he um, and they've been referred to as Andrew as opposed to the other name that's been given, which is Amy George, which is slightly different from the previous cases that we've seen as well in Scotland.
1: Yeah, and obviously you're you're right, we are quite limited in what we can say, but there's obviously, as you've referred to, this wider debate that's been happening in Scotland over the gender recognition legislation that was passed in Holyrood before Christmas and some of the debates that happened in the Chamber around that and obviously the case of Isla Bryson as well, which which you've referred to. Um, But for now, I think it's time to head to Westminster, where the Scotsman's Westminster correspondent, Alexander Brown, has been speaking to SNP Westminster leader Stephen Flynn about a possible Labour deal and a host of other issues, as well as keeping an eye on the latest goings on in the corridors of power down south.
0: Hello and welcome to the Westminster section of the podcast. My name is Alexander Brown. I'm the paper's Westminster correspondent. And it's been yet another feral week in Westminster. We'll start with one of our own stories. This week, I sat down with the SNP Westminster leader, Stephen Flynn, to speak about the election prospects uh, and what his party hoped would happen after the next general election expected for 2024. The most interesting thing from that was he said he appeared to hint that a second independence referendum would not be a red line for any kind of agreement with the Labour Party. He talked about, you know, reminding the Labour Party of, its, of where it stands on certain issues, bringing it over so it was more in line with SNP values and some common sense. He talked about more powers on devolution. But when asked specifically if that was contingent on a deal on independence for a second vote, he said it was high on the priority list, but he did not say it was you know, vital, which I think is so fascinating. That appears to be a softening of stance from the SNP, given one of his colleagues, said on, I think, BBC Politics just 24 hours earlier that Labour would have to give an independence referendum if they were going to enjoy any kind of support from the SNP. Away from what's going on with the SNP, there remains constant chaos in the Conservative Party. I feel I can record this any week, And it holds up time-wise. Rishi Sunak is off getting on with what he would probably describe as governing. He's in Japan at the G7, giving speeches and announcing deals. He's got to renegotiate Brexit because car companies face going under because of the terms of how electric vehicles are used. But that's not even his main problem. While he's away, the party can play, and it appears everyone in his dog is jostling for a position to either make themselves the next leader or move the party over. The National Conservative Conference was the platform for most of this, organised by a very, very, very right-wing US think tank. This saw people talk about how... The left want to, are jealous of the Holocaust uh, and want to replace it with Black Lives Matter so, uh, and slavery so they can weaponize it against the West. This is the sort of point know how this country is a Christian values and only a mother and father can provide a solid home. These are the level of speakers and then also cabinet ministers. You had Suella Bravman setting out her stall, making it clear what she would personally do to take on woke culture and deal with immigration at a time that her own party have its head in its hands, including her cabinet colleagues, over her attempts to deal with immigration. And it seems to be a recurrent thing. There are constantly names in the party still talking about Boris Johnson, the uh, the man of yesteryear, And the belief is, while Rishi Sunak says that his party, there is a narrow window for him to win the next election, the constant jostling by his own MPs suggest otherwise. And speaking to some who are close to Sunak, it seems that they are very, very frustrated. The time when the party seems to be getting on with the job, others are freelancing, going in for themselves, uh, and ignoring, you know, the typical rules of engagement. For example... Liz Truss, who went to Taiwan, risking an international incident with China because she is, admittedly briefly, a former Prime Minister. So it's been just crazy, really. There is no end to it. Uh, I've never heard a Downing Street spokesman say so often, that person does not represent the views of the government. That person was speaking on their own terms. You know, there is no sound way what ministers do and don't speak at. The parties, in a terrible way discipline has gone out the window and it just you know it's a great reminder that divided parties do not win elections so that's your lot for Westminster I'm going to go and clear my nose because as you can hear I'm very ill I went to America for two weeks and they have no kind of healthcare or vegetables so I got quite poorly I'm off to have some broccoli and lem sip and until next week thank you for listening
1: Thank you, Alex. And that's all we've got time for today. Thank you for listening to The Steamy and don't forget to subscribe to The Scotsman for all the latest news, analysis, opinion. We have a new, fresh, relaunched print product. Actually just came out a a whole new look a couple of days ago. We also have a host of newsletters you can sign up to on scotsman.com. But for now, we'll be back next week with more from Holyrood and beyond.